if you grew up in America, you were likely brought up believing that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Now, the jury is still out on that one, and with good reason. The assertion first came from the Kellogg's Company, a corporation that benefits greatly from breakfast consumption. I personally love breakfast food and need that morning sustenance in order to participate in society. But not everybody does. The meal has been held with varying levels of importance throughout history. Ancient Romans accustomed themselves to just one big meal every day, while in medieval Europe, breakfast was considered to be for peasant workers and just a passing fancy for the elite. Native Americans were more adept to snacking throughout the day, a practice that modern nutritionists embrace, and they made ground corn more suited for consumption with their version of grits and hominy. In colonial America, we Yanks were getting fat off of morning meals of pancakes, eggs, pastries, oysters, beefsteak, and chicken, and health experts agreed that gluttonous diets of meat and sugar were not only unhealthy, but also led to a sinful lifestyle. This inspired pioneers like Sylvester Graham to innovate foodstuffs for mankind's salvation and salivation. Graham gave us the cracker that bears his name, in part as a deterrent to masturbation. And, I mean, they're pretty good. You couldn't make s'mores without them, but come on. That's some pretty stiff competition for a cracker, if you'll pardon the pun. As cities grew and the schedules of its citizens became more routine, post-industrial revolution Americans needed their morning calories in order to be effective laborers. Enter Ferdinand Schumacher, an immigrant at the forefront of the American breakfast industry who founded the German Mills American Oatmeal Company that marketed his food as a substitute for pork. It was the first oatmeal to be manufactured with the help of an advanced huller, steel cutters, and porcelain rollers. And after a fire at his Akron, Ohio mill, Ferdinand Schumacher merged with some competitors to form the Consolidated Oatmeal Company. Meanwhile, in Dansville, New York, a super-religious vegetarian named James Caleb Jackson was busy overseeing his sanitarium where he was developing a cereal called Granula, with a U, made by removing moisture from graham flour dough until it was so hard that it had to be soaked overnight in order to be edible in the morning giving granula the nickname Wheat Rocks. Cream of Wheat was unveiled in Chicago, Illinois at the 1893 World's Fair 
and took on oatmeal's texture within packaging depicting an African-American chef named Rastus, the very first breakfast mascot. Quote, Cream of wheat is so good to eat and we have it every day. We sing this song, it will make us be and makes us shout hooray. It's good for growing babies and grown-ups too to eat. For all the family's breakfast, you can't beat cream of wheat. End quote. Scattered curiosity, the 1893 World's Fair was titled The Columbia Exposition to honor the 400th anniversary of Cristobal Colon's landing in the New World. Amongst the celebrities to attend the six-month event were Alexander Graham Bell, L. Frank Baum, Annie Sullivan, and Helen Keller, who was eager to learn more about Frank Haven Hill's process for making plates that printed books in Braille. Bonus curiosity, Pap's Blue Ribbon Beer, Juicy Fruit Gum, along with the competing breakfast choices of Aunt Jemima Pancake Mix and Quaker Oats, also debuted at the Columbia Exposition alongside Cream of Wheat. If you traveled the northeastern shore of Lake Michigan from the 1893 fair, you would find yourself in the Seventh-day Adventist territory of Battle Creek, Michigan, where a Midwestern surgeon named John Harvey Kellogg was running the Western Health Reform Institute, a spa where he frequently prescribed hydrotherapy baths, accelerated studies in germ theory, and became a serial killer to James Jackson with his similarly named product, Granola, with an O, which not only took the U out of the name, but the U out of the process, because granola didn't need to be soaked overnight. Adventists subscribed to the idea that changing nutriments made people healthier and that spicy, meat-heavy diets were directly correlated with sinning in the way that they, quote, irritate the nerves and react upon the sexual organs, end quote. Kellogg wanted to change the world through reformations of diet, exercise, and an occasional shock therapy session. John Sanitarium boasted rejuvenation and recuperation for wealthy patients who'd been overstuffed with eggs, pancakes, coffee, ham, biscuits, sausage, and fried potatoes. In addition to an all-vegetarian diet at the facility, patients were also kept from alcohol, tobacco, and tea. And the success of Kellogg's granola pushed him to invent an even better product, cornflakes. Concurrently, one of John Kellogg's sanitarium patients, a failed suspenders salesman named Charles William Post, was enamored with his experience and 
developed his own wholly healthy heapings of an all-grain substitute for coffee named Postum and the familiar fodder Grape Nuts, the first successful product to give away coupon discounts. Charles Post referred to Grape Nuts as, quote, a toothsome, nutritious breakfast food, end quote, and, quote, the most scientific food in the world, end quote, adding that his cereal could cure appendicitis, malaria, and was a good source of vitamin D that, quote, makes red blood, end quote, and is, quote, rich in brain and nerve-rebuilding elements, end quote. Post published The Road to Wellville, his mantra of living healthy by thinking positive, and included a copy of it on the side of each box of grape nuts. The Road to Wellville is also the title of a 1994 film related to the Breakfast Wars and starring Sir Anthony Hopkins, Bridget Fonda, Matthew Broderick, John Cusack, Lara Flynn Boyle, and Dana Carvey. In response to Battle Creek, Michigan quickly becoming the breakfast capital of the world, Ferdinand Schumacher's newly merged American Cereal Company became the Quaker Oats Company and introduced the Quaker logo, you know, the Ben Franklin-looking dude with the hat, two decades later, which became the first registered trademark for a cereal, getting partial credit for doubling Quaker Oats sales every single decade of the 1900s, especially when the company developed puffed rice and puffed wheat, which was made by using a method that shot rice from a specialized gun, a fact magnified when the company proclaimed it to be the eighth wonder of the world at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis, quote, Roar, boys, roar. It tastes like more. What a flavor, zippity-zow. It's grand, and how. Shot from guns, end quote. And believe it or not, there was still another religious breakfast regime gaining a following and making a bang out of St. Louis in the early 1900s, the Ralston Purina Company. Now, a decade prior, Purina Mills was known for its animal feed products that made popular the word chow to follow whichever kind of animal that needed to be fed. Purina cat chow, horse chow, pig chow, rabbit chow, monkey chow, dog chow, and so on. The Ralston part comes from Ralstonism, a movement from the late 19th century with roughly 800,000 followers of the motto, quote, regime, activity, light, strength, temperation, oxygen, and nature, end quote. An acronym 
for Ralston. The founder of Ralstonism, Webster Edgarly, urged his disciples to embrace whole grain cereal and endorsed the Purina brand once it adopted the Ralston name into its family. Now, there is a reason you shouldn't go into business with family, and it is perfectly illustrated by John Kellogg's brother, Will Keith Kellogg, who purchased the rights to cornflakes in 1906 from under John's nose and created the Kellogg Toasted Cornflake Company, to which C.W. Post fired back with his sweetened Post Toasties. Dr. John Kellogg was furious at the way the market had shifted to sugar and advertising and became even more enraged when Will started selling Kellogg's cornflakes on the large scale coated with sugar to improve the taste of what he called their, quote, horse food. Will's big advertising campaign was, quote, wink at your grocer and see what you get, end quote. And what you got was a free box of Kellogg's cornflakes, K-E-L-L-O-Double-Good. And the company soon followed up with Kellogg's Crumbles, both with a K, Kellogg's All Bran, and Kellogg's Cornflakes with Instant Bananas, featuring an anthropomorphic banana in a plantation hat as a mascot. Though it should be noted that Post came out with the first freeze-dried strawberries in cornflakes a year prior. Scattered curiosity, Post would one day pay an artist $1.5 million to draw cartoon animals for their cereal boxes. His name? Walt Disney. Because John Kellogg had freely given away pamphlets at his sanitarium with instructions of how easy it was to produce cornflakes, by the 19-teens, cereal companies were sprouting up everywhere, and it was hard to discern them from one another until Force Cereal broke the mold and debuted its top hat-wearing mascot, Sonny Jim, that adorned newspapers and magazines. The cereal mascot wars had begun. A blitzkrieg that the Battle Creek boys at Kellogg's would dominate for a century, while introducing what could be considered the first in-box cereal toy prize in 1948 with their sunshine cereal, Pep, that included Pep comic buttons, quote, 18 different famous characters pictured on metal buttons with pins, end quote, featuring such childhood favorites as Dagwood, Blondie, Popeye, Lord Plushbottom, Olive Oil, Uncle Willie, and Superman, which was fitting because Kellogg's also sponsored Mutual Radio's Adventures of Superman series, 
the eighth highest rated show at the time. But it would take more than prizes of buttons, animal stamps, Bigfoot stickers, Kool-Aid packets, night scopes, Play-Doh, gummy bears, temporary tattoos, wacky wall walkers, Jackson 5 records, Darkwing Duck fanny packs, Marvel magnets, and the official Jack Webb dragnet whistle to win the Serial Wars. Having been a child that lived through the final years of the sugary Serial Kings, I thought it would be fun to crunch down memory lane with mascots, jingles, slogans, and prizes that all of these companies employed to be serial killers. In the opening monologue, I told you about Kellogg's Pep Cereal being the first to include toys in the 1940s. But the cereal itself debuted in 1924, the same year as its biggest all-brand flakes competitor came to the market, General Mills Wheaties, the breakfast of champions, that had its own jingle and, by the end of the 1930s, was the first cereal with a television ad. Now, General Mills is another Midwest corporation that was the result of two business brothers from another mother teaming up in Golden Valley, Minnesota, who had been in the game since the late 1800s before joining their enterprise with the Minneapolis Milling Company. Caldweller C. Washburn and William D. Washburn constructed the Washburn B. Mill in 1866 and built the even bigger Washburn A. Mill two years later before merging with John Crosby. And even though the A. Mill was devastated by an explosion of flour dust in 1877, after rebuilding... The syndicate's flower, F-L-O-U-R, won a gold medal at the International Exhibition in Cincinnati and developed the gold medal flower brand that you still see in grocery stores today. General Mills became the official company name in 1928 when the Washburn Crosby Mill joined with 28 more mills and promoted their Betty Crocker box top coupons with point values that could be spent on products for the next 77 years, in which time General Mills acquired Rainbow Crafts, the company that introduced Play-Doh, along with some other familiar brands like Red Lobster, Olive Garden, Eddie Bauer, Talbot's, Pillsbury, Old El Paso, Haagen-Dazs, Yoplait, Totino's, Bisquicks, Fruit Roll-Ups, Bugles, Gardetto's, Chex Mix, Hamburger Helper, Progresso, and Geno's with a J. 
And though Kellogg's Rice Krispies was utilizing radio ads that same year, its mascots and catchphrase, Snap, Crackle, Pop, didn't appear for another seven years. And a few decades after that, the brand had a new ad. Quote, Let Cocoa Krispies fill your spoon, and soon you'll be gazing at a cocoa moon, sitting under a chocolate palm tree by the Cocoa Sea. End quote. And Rice Krispies gave exposure to some pretty significant talent throughout the years, including a young Drew Barrymore, Fred Savage as a stand-up comedian in a fruity Marshmallow Krispies ad, and, at the age of six, Melissa Joan Hart was known as the Rice Krispies girl in Europe, where her ads aired. Kellogg's would prove to be the bravest of the serial killers in regard to trying new flavors with its breakfast classics. Some of the ones they tried for SCP were Frosted Krispies, Apple Cinnamon, Berry Krispies, Razzle Dazzle Rice Krispies, Rice Krispies Treat Cereal, Honey Flavor, Rice Krispies with Real Strawberries, and Jumbo Rice Krispies. Notable prizes the trio has offered to youngsters are Baking Soda and Vinegar Submarines, High Flyers, Kellogg's Muscle Cars with Opening Doors and Hoods, and the infamous Kellogg's Stagecoach. The power of Kellogg's virtual ownership of the letter K did not go unrecognized by the other companies who embraced the similarly shaped letter X. First came Ralston Purina's Wheat Checks, which was once called Shredded Ralston and marketed to people who practiced Ralstonism. And Wheat Checks dared to try the new ingredients of Corn Checks, Sugar checks, double checks, multi brand checks, gram checks, honey nut checks, honey gram checks, frosted mini checks, and the company scored a claim amongst kids with the checks, secret agent message watch, invisible pen, and decoder ring. Kick cereal was the second X of the bunch but the first to use General Mills' puffing gun, which transformed cereal into puffy shapes. Yet even with such innovation, it took 50 years to find its slogan, kid-tested, mother-approved, after its rough draft of, quote, kids love kicks for what kicks has got. Moms love kicks for what kicks has not. End quote. Earning General Mills sponsorship to the Lone Ranger radio show, later television, before coming out with perhaps its most successful enterprise, Cheerios. But you may know them better by their 1945 rechristening, Cheerios. Some of their marketing slogans include. Go with the goodness of Cheerios. 
Nobody can say no to the Honey Nut O's and Cheerios. We're gonna tempt your tummy with the taste of nuts and honey. It's a honey oven O. It's Honey Nut Cheerios. And be happy, be healthy. Be with two E's, cleverly referring to the mascot, Buzz. And believe it or not, Frosted Cheerios actually preceded Honey Nut Cheerios, which was followed with Cinnamon Nut Cheerios, Apple Cinnamon, Multigrain, Millennios in 1999, Berry Bust, Oat Cluster Cheerios Crunch, Banana Nut, Chocolate, Multigrain Dark Chocolate Crunch, Yogurt Burst in Strawberry or Vanilla, Cinnamon Burst, Multigrain Peanut Butter Crunch, and Very Berry just last year. And the Cheerios box that I wanted the most as a kid had a $1 bill in every 20th box. Scattered curiosity, the same year the Cheery Oats hit the market, the United States entered World War II, which wound up benefiting cereal companies nationwide when meat rationing, amongst other first world luxuries, became mandatory. Kellogg's got back to their roots releasing John Denver's favorite cereal with fruit, Raisin Bran, the sunniest brand under the sun. And its future mascot, a two-armed yellow dwarf star named Sonny, would one day promise two scoops of raisins in each box, translating to roughly 220 plump, juicy raisins. Post also got back to their roots when it delivered the punch of Super Sugar Crisp, whose mascot Sugar Bear a smooth-singing, turtleneck-sweater-wearing Ursidae modeled after Dean Martin, simply could not acquire a satisfactory amount of his signature jingle, Can't get enough of that sugar crisp, even after the name changed to Super Sugar Crisp and finally Super Golden Crisp. And some sugar bear prizes that were as cool as he was? A three-in-one yo-yo whistle puzzle game? Glow-in-the-dark pens? Glow-in-the-dark monster posters? Glow-in-the-dark monster heads that you put on your fingertips? An Archie's record? A sugar bear bike reflector? Sturdy action pinball games that came, quote, complete with action trigger arm and three to five pinballs for long-lasting fun, trade with your friends, end quote and the Super Sugar Crisp Mystery Ball. Quote, Shake the ball and look through the magnifying glass on the bottom for your answer. End quote. In the early 1950s, Kellogg's advertised that, quote, Sugar Pops are tops. End quote. Until they became Sugar Corn Pops, and then eventually... Corn Pops, using the slogan, Gotta Have My Pops. While the staple does not have a mascot, a young Aaron Paul of Breaking Bad fame 
can be found in a Corn Pops commercial with a quick YouTube search. Don't worry, I'll wait. Got it? Moving on to Kellogg's next hit of the early 50s, Sugar Frosted Flakes, which later dropped the word sugar. This cereal's biggest asset has got to be its mascot, Tony the Tiger, and the many taglines. They're not good, they're great, which later evolved into they're great, the taste adults have grown to love, and don't forget their song. Show them that you're Hi folks, Albert Einstone here. You can listen to the Frosted Flakes song on YouTube where nobody gets in trouble for using music they don't own. And you. Some flavor tinkerings with this cereal have been Banana Frosted Flakes, Tony's Cinnamon Crunchers with a K, Birthday Confetti Flakes, Cocoa Frosted Flakes, Less Sugar Frosted Flakes, Frosted Flakes Gold, and Frosted Flakes Chocolate. And sweetness abated with Kellogg's next concoction of morning vittles, Sugar Smacks. The Big Red K's answer to Post's Sugar Crisp cereal. However, Sugar Smacks struggled to find a mascot to rival Sugar Bear as it shifted spotlights to different spokesfolk throughout the years, starting with the creepy, pale-faced Cliffy the Clown who would dance the Sugar Smack Swing in the commercials for four years, followed by Smacksy the Seal, Smacks with an X, who wore a sailor's uniform. Quick Draw McGraw stepped in for a term and would himself be replaced in four years by the Smackin' Bandit, who was half kangaroo, half mule, and kissed everyone on the lips a la Bugs Bunny. He only lasted two years. There was even the Smackin' Brothers, two little boys who boxed over Sugar Smacks, before Kellogg's finally put a shirt, shoes, pants, jacket, and hat onto a frog named Diggum, who, unlike the Trix Rabbit, is allowed to eat his cereal with kids, which would later be rebranded Honey Smacks. Honey sweetened puffs of wheat. Honey smackin' good. Attempts were made to bring in more characters into the cereal world with Love Smacks, the heart-shaped dog, and after all that they went through to find a mascot, Kellogg's replaced Diggum with a bear named Wally because bears are more associated with honey. They eventually switched back to Diggum. Some cool out-of-this-world toys that have been found in Sugar Smacks are vintage Star Trek badges, which were Doctor Who badges in England, and Starbots, an even poorer man's transformer than GoBots. And GoBots actually came before Transformers. 
Space energy comes from Sugar Smacks. When General Mills Tricks, with an X, debuted, it did so without its mascot, the Tricks Rabbit, who hopped onto the scene four years later, opining, quote, Rabbits are supposed to like carrots, but I hate carrots. I like tricks, end quote. Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. Scattered curiosity, a survey was once conducted and children were asked whether they thought the rabbit should be allowed to eat tricks. They overwhelmingly voted yes. One bowl. Quaker Oats had a few prizes available through its puffed wheat and puffed rice brands in the 1950s that simply cannot go unmentioned. A bust of Roy Rogers' head, just what every kid wants, right? And my favorite prize, a deed to one square inch of land in the Yukon in conjunction with the radio program Sergeant Preston of the Yukon. Quote, just sign your name to the deed and become owner of property in famous gold rush country. End quote. Easily the coolest prize of the decade. Alongside Wheaties' offer of bike license plates for all 48 states. Remember, Alaska and Hawaii didn't join the Union until 1959. Post introduced their ABC Delicious cereal, Alphabets, in 1958 with an ad asking consumers to, quote, Take a bite, take a bite, take an Alphabets bite. You can make a game out of eating every letter in sight. ABC, XYZ. Think smart. Think Alphabets cereal. End quote. Keeping with the educational theme... A couple of fun prizes that they've offered have been the Alphabet's pocket printer, which could emboss letters, symbols, and numbers onto paper, and Alphabet's terrariums that could grow garden cress, basil, or violet queen alyssums. Alphabet's, too, has a marshmallow variety, and they absolutely use the Jackson 5 in one of their commercials. YouTube it. Now, I have never tried Nabisco wheat and rice honeys, but some of the prizes they've offered that I would have loved as a kid were a two-stage rocket, crunchy, munchy, and spoon-sized Nabisco spoonmen from outer space that sat on your spoon, and the eight collectible Beatles yellow submarine rub-ons that could be put onto books, lockers, or cars. And if you find an unopened vintage box, it's worth $1,000. By the end of the 1950s, General Mills was sponsoring two well-known television programs, Tennessee Tuxedo and The Bullwinkle Show, and tried to make a hit out of Frostio's. Sugar-coated oat rings peddled by a polar bear. While Kellogg's new oat cereal, OK's, was hyped by 
a muscular feather-capped Scottish fellow flexing his right bicep. And mascots mattered because the seismic 60s saw many more mothers going to work and looking for quick breakfast solutions. To answer these needs, the market came along with Carnation Instant Breakfast and Kellogg's Pop-Tarts. Scattered curiosity, Kellogg's had and has strict instructions regarding how their products are displayed in grocery stores and demand that Pop-Tarts not be shelved near cereal as it is not a substitute for cereal. It can be eaten cold or hot. I prefer an untoasted tart versus Pillsbury toaster strudels that came a quarter century later and had to be served hot. Though I did like their tagline, get some going. General Mills kicked off the decade with a couple of cereals that have since faded into obscurity, the first of which was Twinkles, star-shaped cereal goodness of toasted oats and corn packaged in 60s flair with a book on the back of the box. General Mills also introduced Jets, the cereal that will give you jet energy, a sugar-coated oat and wheat cereal that had many characters on its box over the years, including Goggle the Alien, Johnny Jet, Mr. Moonbird, the Go-Kart Kids, Major Jet the Space Pilot, and the Sugar Jet Kids. Originally served in ball form, Jet morsels evolved into shapes of planets, still round, planes, and rockets. And Total Cereal boasted that it takes X amount of your cereal to match the nutrition in one bowl of Total. And then the bowls would pile up, demonstrating how many bowls of your cereal it would take to equal Total. No mascot here. Though I always think of the late Phil Hartman as the unofficial mascot. Why? Because of the Saturday Night Live parody commercial of Total Cereal, titled Colon Blow. General Mills wasn't alone in the market of creating forgettable cereals through the 60s and 70s. Do you recall Kellogg's Triple Snack Cereal? Roasted peanuts, sugar-puffed corn, and sugar-puffed wheat? Basically trail mix in milk. Appropriately, Yogi and Boo Boo Bear were the first mascots for Triple Snack, but they got swapped out with the unknown blue-colored Triple Snack giraffe that looks like I drew it. And you've all seen my crummy logo. Posts Linus the Lionhearted for the indubitably delicious Crispy Critters cereal had far more artistic virtues, and was a classy cat clothed in a top hat, beard, and vest as he roared on about his animal-shaped sugar-sprinkled oat cereal. 
Linus would soon lose the magician's uniform and appear more cartoon-like, only to be replaced by a hand puppet named Crispy for the short-lived reboot of this disremembered edible relic a few decades later. Just before Post bought Nabisco and discontinued its 30-year running strong health-themed cereal, Team Flakes, the cereal that plays along with you. Four grain flakes of rice, corn, wheat, and oats. Getting hungry? Speaking of oats, in 1963, Quaker Oats came out with one of my top three favorite cereal franchises from my childhood. Not so much today. Cap'n Crunch, not Cap-Tin. The Quaker company quickly cornered an untapped concept when they guaranteed that the cereal, quote, stays crunchy even in milk, which at the time was not the norm. Cereal scientists have been conducting surveys of children since the 1950s. Remember tricks? And gathered a valuable piece of data. Kids do not like soggy cereal. Controversy exists over the captain's uniform as it has three stripes on the sleeves, designating the rank of commander. A captain, with a T, has four stripes on the sleeve. However, it should be pointed out that whoever is in charge of a vessel is the captain, and that the character was modeled after the football hero, Lance Crunch Rickman. And as if stolen valor wasn't scandalous enough, Horatio Magellan Crunch also cites the rank of admiral on his resume, a position he resigned. Captain Crunch's expanding serial universe experimented with several supporting mascot characters and spin-off breakfast delights, such as Vanilli Crunch, with Wilma the winsome white whale wielding white puffs within her, like cereal ambergris, who apparently was shot in the face by Homer Simpson's makeup gun. Many binoculars were a popular recurring prize. Quote, Now with Captain Crunch's fixed focus three power mini binoculars, you can see far away things close up. Watch birds in your yard. Examine your friend's funny faces up close. Or pretend you're the great captain searching for pirates. End quote. The next friable prolocutor of the bunch was a fiercely eyelashed and sailor-suited Harry S. Hippo promoting Captain Crunch's Punch Crunch, little pink rings with big pink flavor. Cinnamon Crunch also gave away binoculars and starred Horatio's seafaring adversary, LaFoot the Barefoot Pirate. Volcano Crunch experimented with adding a Pops Rock-like concoction into the cereal. Chocolate the Blob was a monstrously fanged chocolate chip cookie with an underbite that fronted the box of Choco Crunch, which consisted of yellow corn squares and chocolate puffs. 
think crunch berries, but brown. And crunch berries have actually endured the test of time, and you can still get those. Some great prizes from the Kingdom of Crunch have been the Crunchbot, Glow-in-the-Dark Circus Acrobats, a Bosun Whistle, Crunch Surfers, Ghost Detectors, Captain Crunch Glow-in-the-Dark Spooky Pirates, Jiggle the String and Turn Off the Light, Spooky Pirate Will Dance and Glow Bright, What Could Be Spookier and More Fun? How about Captain Crunch Fun Globes? Fun to put together, fun to play with. But the Story Scope was my favorite gadget that they gave away. Quote, Now you can really catch the Crunchberry Beast in action on StoryScope. Just cut the StoryScope disc from the box, insert the adventure into the StoryScope, and turn the disc. The special adjustable magnifying lens will make the action adventures bigger. End quote. The same year Captain Crunch debuted, General Mills scored a hit with Sonny, a bird who simply went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I never really got into this cereal like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He did a commercial as a kid, one for Pop-Tarts, too. And I find the maniacal mascot to be off-putting. Though one of the prizes from the 1960s intrigues me. Bobbing Cuckoo Birds of Sonny or his Gramps, where the user is instructed to, quote, hold the pole like so, tap him and he goes. Bobbing cuckoo bird tilts right down. Sitting on a spring, hanging on a ring, doing his thing, bopping all the while, making you smile. Bobbing cuckoo birds. Kellogg's 2 scored a morning hit with its spokesbird, Toucan Sam, voiced by the cartoon king, Mel Blank, who urged kids to, quote, Follow my nose, it always knows, the flavor of fruit wherever it grows, end quote. And I have heard that regardless of color, all Fruit Loops taste the same. But that theory becomes null and void if you are talking about treasures and marshmallow-blasted Fruit Loops. Some memorable Fruit Loop prizes, a Batman Periscope 60-cent send-away, and the Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith lightsaber spoon. Scatter curiosity, Kellogg's has switched between the correct spelling of fruit, with a U, and cereal loops acting as double O's, as if spelling made it healthy. The nice thing about using animals as mascots is that it is acceptable to use stereotypical characteristics to define their personas, ultimately avoiding any racial insensitivity. This is not the case with sugar-sparkled rice crinkles, crinkle with a K, Post's answer to Kellogg's Rice Krispies in the 1960s. The pebble-shaped cereal's mascot was an offensively animated Chinese boy named Sohai who ate his sparkled rice crinkles with chopsticks 
atop a box that included a cutout so high paper doll. It was as overlooked as Long Duck Dong from Sixteen Candles and the C. Thomas Howell, James Earl Jones, Leslie Nielsen, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and Ray Don Chong cinematic blackface classic from the 1980s, Soul Man. Yikes. Interestingly, Irish stereotypes are still widely accepted as a passing fancy in American society. Case in point, Lucky the Leprechaun of General Mills' Lucky Charms, originally called Frosted Lucky Charms with pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars, green clovers, and blue diamonds. And Sir Charms complains in an exaggerated Irish tone that the kids are, quote, always after me Lucky Charms. They're magically delicious. End quote. Also available in chocolate flavor and berry Lucky Charms next year. A is for Apple, J is for Jax. And you would think that because the rollout of this Kellogg's classic, originally called Apple O's, happened in the mid-1960s, that it would have a mascot. And you would be right. But kids did not seem to gravitate towards Apple Car and Apple Guy. So Kellogg shifted gears and focused on how the cereal empowered kids, like child actor Corey Feldman, who needed no mascot. We eat what we like. And if you paid attention to the box, you might be treated to delightful hidden messages like... Apple Jacks will not be sold to bullies. Cinnamon Toasty Apple Jacks was a natural progression for the brand to explore with, quote, lots of crunch in every bite, just right for your appetite. Apple Jacks, Apple Jacks, apple flavor, that's where it's at. Cinnamon Toasty, Apple Tasty, Kellogg's Apple Jacks, end quote, where the sweet taste of cinnamon is the winamon because that's the kind of mom you are, end quote. There is also Cinescary Apple Jacks and Apple Clones Double Vision. Kellogg's Cream Crunch, all with a K, I don't know how this escapes their PR people, were crisp, with a C, chunks of real ice cream, freeze-dried and mixed right in with the good grain. Available in strawberry, vanilla, and orange flavors. Predictably, the mascot was a tuxedo-coned ice cream scoop with a menacing smile whose cone suit would vary between red, black, or orange depending on the flavor in the bowels of your bowl. General Mills' Wacky Cereal featured a poor man's version of Linus Van Pelt on the box, and the Banana Wacky's Gorilla would often accompany the nameless Wacky's Boy because it was a cereal with, quote, oat glots, banana bingles, oat glops, and banana jangles, end quote. Sounds great, right? Oddly enough, 
The commercials called them banana wackies, but the box just said wackies. Focus, people. If you can't define your product, how on earth will we? Just as Kellogg's appropriated the letter K, Quaker Oats had made use of their monopoly over the letter Q for their next few cereals, starting with Quisp, the vitamin-powered sugary cereal for Quasi Energy, which was pitched by a cross-eyed, unnosed pink alien in a yellow jumpsuit hanging upside down from the top right corner of your cereal box. Two memorable prizes, the Quisp squirt gun that shot a white cosmic cloud, and the Quisp gyro trailblazer. Quote, See Quisp rev out on his new gyro cycle. It's swift, speedy, and has the go power of the double-wheel gyro gear system. It's completely assembled and ready to rev up and move out. End quote. Quisp caught on well enough to encourage Quaker's next queuing by bringing forth Quisp's rival in TV commercials, a coal miner named Quake, who for some reason later evolved into a cowboy that flaunted the cereal's earthquake power. You are probably aware that Honeycomb's big, yeah, 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 it's not small, no, 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 and it's the truth. I always found shoving a mouthful into my chubby kid cheeks to be daunting. This was not my favorite cereal, but they were easily my favorite commercials, sometimes with Andre the Giant, featuring a fictional place that I desperately wanted to visit as a kid, the Honeycomb Hideout. And I muscled down a good number of boxes as a kid because Honeycombs usually had some pretty dope prizes too. The Honeycombs glow-in-the-dark watch, real metal license plates for your bike, a monkey's record, DC superhero iron-ons, around-the-corner viewers, and monster mitts. Post-Corn Krakos, with a C, thank you, Post, you get it, was fronted by Kracko, the orange waker-upper bird, who played a spoon-like guitar and crowed, quote, The whole family will go for these sweet twists of golden corn cereal sprinkled with cinnamon. It crackles when you crunch. End quote. The prize I would buy it for? Mr. Potato Head. Scattered curiosity, in 1952, Mr. Potato Head became the first toy to be advertised on television. And it was just the plastic body parts that a kid would stick into a real potato. Hasbro introduced the plastic potato body over a decade later. Kellogg's continued caying with their orange, strawberry, or chocolate-flavored combos, which were flavored flakes of corn plugged by the blue new, you know, African antelope. 
post has a far more versatile letter associated with it, which is probably a factor in the success of their Flintstones-themed Fruity Pebbles, which have spun off into a ton of incarnations. Cocoa Pebbles, Dino Pebbles, Dino S'mores Pebbles, Cinecrunch, Winter Fruity, Marshmallow Mania, Pebbles Boulders, Poppin' Pebbles, Iceberry, Bam Bam Berry, Cupcake, and Smurfs Pebbles? Now that one makes no sense. And a hilarious commercial that I remember being totally lame, even as a kid, was Barney Rubble busting out some truly pale suburban rhymes. Quote, I'm Rap Master Barney and I'm here to say I love Fruity Pebbles in a major way. End quote. Pebbles is another one that does not make my top 10 favorite list, but I certainly got roped in by some of the prizes like Flintstone's Pencil Top Erasers, Collect All Four, Fred's Flintmobile with a Removable Rooftop, Pebbles Rock Grabbers Extending Up to 8 Inches, and the Glow-in-the-Dark Skelosaurus Collection. The 1970s kept the momentum of mascots growing exponentially. General Mills cashed in on their monster cereals, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Booberry, Fruit Brute, and Yummy Mummy a decade later. I want to eat your cereal. Now, I don't remember Fruit Brute, but... He is a werewolf in rainbow overalls who loves the fruit-flavored cereal with marshmallow bits that can be seen in the background of the Quentin Tarantino films Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Some box prizes were a glow-in-the-dark light switch sticker, snap-together spooky speedsters in brown, Count Chocula's coffin-shaped Midnight Creeper, Pink, Frankenberry's Silly Stretcher, and Blue, Boo Berry's Crazy Cloud Car. Monster bike spinners that snapped onto your handlebars and spun a propeller if you pedaled fast enough, and the Puff Chute, one of the monsters attached to a plastic parachute, wrapped tight, put in a tube, and shot into the air like a blow dart. Spooky. General Mills also debuted Buckwheats, no K at the start of the 70s, which started as maple-flavored, but switched to honey. Toasted flakes of wheat, at one time buckwheat, that resembled darker frosted flakes. Even without a mascot, This cereal's box is quite memorable to me as the quintessential orange-brown tone of the era. The cereal faded with the decade. 1972, in particular, presented a string of cereal clunkers and misfit mascots like Kellogg's bifocal Newton the Owl, who gave away safety stickers in his Cocoa Hoots cereal. Klondike Pete and his lazy donkey Thorndike's crunchy nuggets of rice cereal in a pink Nabisco box. 
Mr. Wonderful Surprise, with a Z, of crunchy puffed chocolate or vanilla flavors filled with frosting that was seemingly designed at General Mills Nightmare Factory, with its creepy, shoe-spatted, pink-panted mascot in his red polka-dot blazer and blue periscope-looking top hat. And within the same chromatic palette, Post tried to make a serial star out of the pink panther. But the blush-frosted cornflakes left milk looking like Pepto-Bismol. However, the pink panther 5-in-1 spy kit with a whistle, magnifying glass, telescope, and pocket-sized message slot ranks very high on my list of awesome serial prizes. But 1972 isn't done yet. General Mills designed two rival serial mascots. Sir Grapefellow, a British World War I pilot fighting for his oat cereal of sweet grape starbits and marshmallows, against his adversary, Baron Von Redberry, who would taunt, quote, Baron Von Redberry is der Berry goodest. To which Grapefellow would retort, Sir Grapefellow is the grapest. Ralston's contribution to the year had a slightly longer shelf life with the brief success of Freaky Cereal, crunchy, honey-tasting spaceships with marshmallows that came in cocoa and fruity varieties. Freaky's was not only the name of the cereal, it was the species of its tree-dwelling mascots, Hamhose, Gargle, Cowmumble, Grumble, Goody Goody, Snorkeldorf, and Boss Moss, who were these green, blue, pink, and red aliens with raspberry-textured skin. A toy you could only get in this cereal, Freakmobiles, seven different cars you put into an air booster, which would shoot the roadster out. Quote, Freakmobiles are made of lightweight plastic, and each Freakmobile is the color of the freaky driving it. Everything from quiet blue for Snorkeldorf to shocking pink for Goody Goody. End quote. But the winner of 1972, and remember guys, these are all subject to my opinions here, you like whichever cereal you like, is Quaker Oats Life Cereal. Life is full of surprises. And who could forget the commercials? I'm not going to try it, you try it. Hey, let's get Mikey, he hates everything. Mikey likes it. Scatter curiosity... The kid that played Mikey also did a commercial as a grown-up. And besides original and cinnamon life, there is also raisin life, baked apple, honeygram, vanilla yogurt crunch, chocolate oat crunch, maple, and brown sugar. In 1973, Post made an attempt to conquer a virtually untapped flavor in the cereal racket by utilizing their swarthy mascot Sugar Bear, donning a Velma Dinkley-like orange turtleneck sweater, to sell children on the concept of Super Orange Crisp. 
Kellogg's O.J. Joe, an orange-straddling cowboy, also took a stab at it by hawking O.J. sweetened cereal with natural flavors and all the vitamin C of a four-ounce glass of orange juice. Quaker, too, attempted to squeeze dollars from oranges by employing their Q method to Quaker's Orange Quangaroos, a spin-off of Quisp and Quake, whose mascot, Simon, was an orange-spotted kangaroo with a green fedora on the cover of a yellow box. Quote, Get hopping with Orange Quangaroos. A one-ounce bowl of Quangaroos gives you 100% MDR of sunny vitamin C. It's the sweet, sunny way to put a bounce in your breakfast. End quote. And much like the unappealing color left behind from Pink Panther cereal, Quangaroos left your milk orange-colored and flavored. I have even read accounts of people that swear that the only way to eat this cereal is within a bowlful of orange juice and not milk. A concept that I can't even wrap my mind around. Scatter curiosity, Simon the Quangaroo, Quisp, Quake, and Captain Crunch were all created by Bill Scott and Jay Ward the same gentleman behind Rocky and Bullwinkle. Again? Another cereal I never tried, but intrigued me while reading up on this subject, was General Mills Magic Puffs, which had a sentient flying magician's top hat for a mascot, and the crunchy frosted cereal puffs came with a magic trick in every box. Cool. Golden Grams is a childhood favorite of mine and Jason Bateman commercial, whose taste has faded from my aged tongue. It is because of Golden Grams that I became a fan of the American rock band The Turtles when the song So Happy Together was used in their commercials. I also became a fan of the serial's original song. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Albert Einstone for daily curiosities that Homer Simpson sang to calm himself down while being launched into outer space. By the mid-1970s, Big Cereal was flooding the market with edible grains that differed very little in substance with each company searching for its next hit cartoon spokes thing. Kellogg's tried Shelly, a masked turtle in a red Zorro hat, for its S-shaped puffs made of ready sweetened corn and oats corny snaps. Purina had a robot mascot that vomited a smile-shaped cereal when it laughed in commercials for grins and laughs and giggles and smiles, which tasted a bit like Captain Crunch. The character development of Major Moon, a student of cereology at Moon University who sold fruit-flavored spaceship puffs dug up from the surface of the moon by moonbeams for Purina's Moonstone cereal, was more thought out than the cereal itself. According to the ads, the moonbeams made good cereal on the light side of the moon and Moonbum 
Big Bum, and Crumb Bum are the laziest bunch of bums to ever roam the dark side of the moon. General Mills put a brown t-shirt, tan pants, and a pink whoopee cap on the bovine mascot for their chocolate crunch balls that melted into chocolate milk and advertised to do so, Crazy Cow, also in strawberry flavor. Kellogg's answered with strawberry-flavored ready-sweetened corn and oat crunchy logs with two Gs that were the favorite of its booted lumberjack mascot, Bixby Beaver. And Ralston rocked the mascot racket with its guitar-playing prospector cowboy named Waffalo Bill and his horse named Horse. Waffalos were maple-flavored square shapes meant to resemble the little squares on waffles. Waffalo Bill sang, Get Along Little Blueberry Critters Get Along, in the ads for blueberry waffalos featuring desert blueberries driven like cattle. Do you remember Cookie Jarvis, the cookie-capped wizard who exclaimed, I've come from afar to change your dish into a cookie jar? Hee-hee, <laughs> splink splar? Me either. Purina's Vanilla Wafer Cookie Crisp is not to be confused with General Mills Cookie Crisp with the hound that howled Kawuki Crisp and the commercial starring a young Mark Paul Gossler. Standout prize? Balloon-powered mini skateboards. The serial killers of the 1980s reverted to the tactics of using established stars as their proxies, while establishing a few of their own. If you watch closely, a young Christian Bale can be seen for like two seconds in an ad for General Mills' Pac-Man cereal. Quote, Now Pac-Man isn't just a game you play, it's a crispy corn cereal that's coming your way. New Pac-Man, chomp chomp delicious. There's Inky and Pinky and Blinky and Clyde. Where marshmallow bits you'll find inside. New Pac-Man, chomp chomp delicious. End quote. The marshmallows were yellow Pac-Men, differently colored ghosts, and pink ribboned pack ladies. The neon camera and ghost chomper ball cap are easily my top prize picks. Ralston snapped up the video game star Donkey Kong and gave him, quote, barrel-shaped cereal with the sweet crunch corn taste that would drive you ape. Donkey Kong cereal, crunchy barrels of fun for your breakfast. You'll love that crunch, end quote. It, too, tasted like Cap'n Crunch. Ralston followed up with Donkey Kong Jr., a fruity banana-shaped cereal with red berries. Scattered curiosity, the video game Donkey Kong was originally supposed to be a Popeye-themed video game, but Nintendo lost the rights to those characters and quickly turned Popeye into Mario, Olive Oil into Pauline, and Bluto, or Brutus, into Donkey Kong. 
And if you look at a picture of the original box of Donkey Kong cereal, the barrel-smashing, mallet-wielding Mario has a lot more Popeye-like facial features than the brick-busting Mario we know today. Another weird one from the early 80s that I don't remember is General Mills' Body Buddies. Sweeten fortified corn puffs with other natural fruit flavors, featuring a gang of nondescript white kids holding a giant bowl of the cereal above their heads on a green box. The brown sugar and honey variety came in a golden box and can be seen in the movie Manhunter. Post found moderate success with one of its borrowed mascots in their fruity, sweetened corn, oats, and wheat cereal fortified with 10 essential vitamins and minerals, Smurfberry Crunch. Smurfberry Crunch is fun to eat, a smurfy, fruity breakfast treat. Made by Smurf so happily, it tastes like crunchy Smurfberries. It's fun to eat and tasty too in berry red and smurfy blue. Papa Smurf is in the forefront of the box holding a spoonful, while two unspecified Smurfs and Smurfette pick over the Smurfberry bush in the distance. Post needed to do a little damage control with Smurfberry Crunch because the red and blue dyed corn puffs in the original formula produced an alarming amount of colored stool from children who consumed it. The company revamped the brand as Smurf Magic Berries with Marshmallow Stars. Scattered curiosity, we Americans remember Gargamel, Azriel, and the Smurfs as 80s nostalgia. But they have actually been around since 1958, when a one-named Belgian artist, Peo, designed the tiny sapphire-tinted men. Smurfette was originally evil with black hair when Gargamel, a sorcerer, created her to infiltrate the Smurfs so he could turn them into gold. But Papa Smurf smurfed her with his Smurf Smurfer, thereby smurfing away the evil and leaving her hair smurfy and blonde. The closest substance to crack that I have ever put in my body is General Mills Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's so good. I don't even remember the prizes because the cereal is so good. Not for you, but everything that I wanted as a kid. Curiously, the cereal was on the market for a year before the three Baker mascots were used, only one of which is officially named Wendell. The names Bob and Quello are popular on the interwebs, but those with the power of attorney have not verified them. Over the years, the cereal has used a variety of taglines like Feeling Like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, The Taste You Can See, Crave Those Crazy Squares, and It's That Intense. CTC, as I like to call it, spun off a few other cereals, none of which I have ever tried. French Toast Crunch, Peanut Butter Toast Crunch, 
sugar cookie toast crunch, and French toast crunch. But they all sound awesome. Kellogg's cleverly repackaged their mascotless graham crackos, a honey-sweetened oat wheat and corn cereal shaped like sandy three-hole bricks, by subtracting a hole and naming the new cereal after everyone's favorite whiny Star Wars android, C-3PO, who offered Star Wars Rebel Rockets and cut out masks of Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Chewbacca, a Stormtrooper, Yoda, and, of course, C-3PO, a crunchy new force at breakfast. By the way, Kellogg's Graham Crackos should not be confused with Post's Corn Crackos from 1967. Earlier this season, I gave a shout-out to Mr. T Cereal Cameo in Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. It was Quaker Oats Crispy Sweet Corn and Oat T-Shaped Cereal fortified with B vitamins and iron that came with Mr. T stickers and tasted like Cap'n Crunch. The cereal had nothing to do with the A-Team, DC Cab, Rocky Three, or his gold chains, but rather his animated series. Scattered curiosity, Mr. T's real name is Lawrence Tarode. Mr. Lawrence Tarode. And his catchphrase, I pity the fool, was not used in the serial commercials, but instead, quote, Mr. T stickers, Mr. T cereal, Golden Flakes, Crispy Teas, One Bite, and you're going to be eaten with the team that's teaming up with Mr. T. But not the A-Team. The problem with General Mills' E.T. cereal is that after the movie is no longer in theaters, nobody cares. The peanut butter and chocolate flavored pieces predictably took on the shapes of the letters E and T. This glowing part of a good breakfast would pave the way for my current favorite cereal a decade later, which has a degree of separation between it and the smash hit 1984 Steven Spielberg classic, Reese's Puffs Cereal. Ralston dominated movie, TV show, and toy theme cereals in 1984 and 1985, starting with Gremlin's Sweetened Cereal, which featured Gizmo, voiced by Howie Mandel in the film, on the box, holding a giant bowl of Gremlin-shaped puffed corn. And you could put milk on them, but not water. Remember the movie? Mogwai! And you shouldn't eat them after midnight. Gremlin's Gremlin's, bite after bite, what a tasty way to satisfy your Gremlin appetite. And Ralston kept it ghoulish with Ghostbusters cereal, shaped like the trademark Ghost logo, with crunchy bustin' fruit flavor and marshmallow ghosts. Yet oddly enough, there is zero reference to Stay Puffed Marshmallows or the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. 
The company brought the cereal back when Ghostbusters 2 premiered, featuring a cutout record on the back of the box. But sales did not dictate a third rollout for the 2016 reboot. Ralston's G.I. Joe action stars were shaped as such. The serial came out the same year as the cartoon and promoted offers for camouflage t-shirts on boxes featuring Duke, Gung-Ho, or Shipwreck. No marshmallows or fruit flavor, but a G.I. Joe comic came in each box. And to balance out such a manly breakfast selection, Ralston also offered Rainbow Bright Sweetened Cereal. Individually colored rainbow arcs with natural fruit flavors delivered in a box with Rainbow Bright sliding down the cover on a rainbow alongside an offer for a free kite. Scattered curiosity, Rainbow Bright has a name, Wisp. She got the Rainbow Bright title in episode two of the cartoon when she overcame the King of Shadows. A sought-after prize from this popular character's morsels, especially from my little sister, was a plastic chain you could continuously accessorize called a crazy chain. The biggest fad of 1985 somehow failed to translate in milk bowls. Ralston's Cabbage Patch Kids cereal, shaped like the creepy Moppet's heads. The box featured the Xavier Roberts dolls in various scenarios like lifting weights, eating cereal, and camping. And the ad made sure that you didn't forget the name. Quote, These are the kids who love Cabbage Patch Kids, and this is the new Cabbage Patch Kids cereal. It's the perfect match. It's Cabbage Patch Kids cereal. It's so yummy, tasty, fun to eat, low in sugar, too. Each smiling Cabbage Patch face has a crispy taste that's good, good, good for you. New Cabbage Patch Kids cereal. It's the perfect match. It's Cabbage Patch Kids cereal. End quote. Got it? Although I'm not quite sure what aspect makes them fun to eat. Arguably, Ralston's Nerd cereal was kind of fun to eat because the box was divided in half, each side with its own separate prize and flavor. Grape and strawberry or orange and cherry. And the commercial asked, which side are you going to eat first? I do not remember General Mills Rocky Road cereal, sweetened corn cereal with marshmallows covered with chocolate-flavored coating and nuts, but the mascots were Choco, a chocolate bass-playing puff, Van, a guitar-playing vanilla puff, and Marsha, the chocolate-dipped Lady Marshmallow, who sang, quote, Choco chocolate puffs can make my heart sing. Them vanilla puffs is such a tasty thing. But Rocky Road has got something special for you. It's got a chocolatey and nutty-covered marshmallow, too. 
Waking up to Rocky Road makes your breakfast sing. End quote. The creepy clown on the black box cover of General Mills' Circus Fun cereal is the tenant of childhood turbulation, who promised crispy, sweetened, fruit-flavored cereal as he commanded animal-shaped marshmallows of purple horses, blue bears, green elephants, yellow lions, and orange tigers to jump through red crunchy hoops that were accompanied by speckle balls that almost bounce on milk. I never got this cereal because clowns freak me out a little. I preferred a mascot more like Ice Cream Jones, who rode an old-timey bicycle while advocating the great taste of ice cream cone cereal. Sweetened cereal scoops of crunchy cones topped with white vanilla balls, later available in chocolate chip. While only on the market for a year, they did have one cool prize, a digital watch for two proofs of purchase. Hey, what you eating? Nothing, honey. Come on, you can tell me. Nothing, honey. But I'm your wife. I want to know. Nothing, honey. Do you remember these insufferable ads for Kellogg's Nut and Honey Flakes? Geared more towards adults, the cereal did not have a mascot and was only recognizable on the shelves by its wooden honey spoon dripping over a bowlful. At this point in history, the original Muppet Show had been gone for seven years, but Muppet Babies was at the height of its seven-year run, so a Muppet mascot seemed like a sure thing. So did Post come out with Gonzo the Great Gobs of Grapes? Kermit's Fly Crunch Cereal? Strawberry Pink Miss Piggy Snouts? Corny Jokes by Fozzie Bear? Nope. They put their money on Crunchy Stars featuring the Swedish Chef. Puffed star-shaped bits flavored like cinnamon. I've had this cereal before and loved the silly messages on the box like Absent of Venetian Blinds and Pachyderms. It claimed to be, quote, a cinnamony new cereal with 10 essential vitamins and minerals, no artificial coloring, and no doorknobs, end quote. Instructions for how to eat the cereal advised you to, quote, place spoon in mouth, place teeth in cereal, and that no batteries are necessary. Funny. Like our next comestible, Ralston's Morning Funny Cereal. Smiling faces of wild fruit taste that came in a box that had comics on the whole back panel that folded out into a full page, front and back, just like the newspaper, which included a mix of High and Lois, Luann, Family Circus, What a Guy, Tiger, Marvin, Popeye, Beetle Bailey, Funky Winkerbean, and Hagar the Horrible. When you ask for morning funnies, you're asking for some fun. Great concept. 
fun seemed to be the name of the game for Ralston. Fun and easy. As it kept churning out cereals that harkened to the olden days. I'm surprised they didn't just come out with Kid Chow. Though in substance, their next string of cereals might as well have been just that. Driven by their commercial appeal instead of flavor. In 1988, they put out the black-boxed Nintendo cereal system. Another split cereal box with Super Mario's Fruit-Flavored Mario's Goombas, Koopa Troopas, Bowser's, and Super Mushrooms on one side, and Link's Legend of Zelda Berry-Flavored Hearts, Keys, Boomerangs, Shields, and Links on the other side. Ralston also had the audacity to transform another classic breakfast item into a breakfast cereal with Dunkin' Donuts cereal featuring the time to make the donuts guy, Fred the Baker, offering two separate bags of glazed and chocolate. Crunchy little donuts with a great big taste. You could even send away for a Dunkin' Donuts duffel bag, which I think would be hilarious to bring to the gym. Scattered curiosity, Ralston wasn't the only company that thought of turning donuts into cereal. General Mills had powdered donuts with a Z, featuring smiling yellow donuts on the box. And Captain Crunch's Oops Choco Donuts got their flavor from sailing up Chocolate Rapids and Sprinkle Falls. Don't forget Kellogg's Cinnamon Mini Buns, the big taste of cinnamon buns in the fun size of cereal, or their Homer Simpson-themed Cinnamon Donut Cereal. And although different pastries, Post brought us Cinnabon and Cinnamon Churros Cereal. Ralston rounded out the 80s with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crunch of sweetened ninja nets that looked like rice checks and Ninja Turtle marshmallows. Breakfast with Barbie cereal of yellow hearts, pink hearts, stars, cars, bows, bees, and a chance to win a $4,000 diamond. And Batman cereal of honey nut flavored yellow bat shaped bits with a 3D Michael Keaton Batman bank shrink-wrapped onto the box. When Batman Returns came out a few years later, Ralston revamped the cereal using bat nets, similar to the checks-like Ninja Turtle nets, and marshmallows. No bank, though. And Ralston re-restructured the format for a third superhero with Spider-Man cereal based on the Fox Kids animated series. This time, making the Ninja Net spiderwebs and shaping the marshmallows as spider logos, Peter Parker's camera, Hobgoblin's bomb, and the evil Kingpin. And Ralston just kept them coming in the 1990s with a most awesome breakfast adventure. Bill and Ted's Excellent Cereal, Cinnamon Toasted Oat Squares, and Marshmallow Music Notes. Eighth notes to be exact. The bowl on the cover looks like a giant telephone 
And you better believe that old Albert Einstein got this cereal for the hysterical, historical crossed out, postcards that came inside, giving me the history lesson that I so craved as a 12-year-old nerd. Yet I did not gravitate to Ralston's own 12-year-old nerd cereal, Strawberry Banana Urkelos. Yes, the Family Matters sitcom character, Steve Urkel. Did I do that? The commercials came out during the Clinton-Bush presidential debates, and the box offered an Urkel for President button with a chance to win every 12-year-old's dream vacation, a trip to Washington, D.C. Ralston did the equivalent to Pebbles, as Hanna-Barbera did to the Flintstones, by releasing the space-aged Jetson cereal that was met with less fanfare than the cartoon, which surprisingly only ran three seasons total, 1962 to 1963, and 1985 to 1987. I have no idea why the serial came out three years after the show was canceled. Terrible timing. Kellogg's traded in its excess K's in the 1990s with Big Mix, two G's and two X's, which was the name of both the serial and the mascot, a cross between a moose chicken, pig, and wolf. The reasoning was that the cereal was supposed to be a mix of other existing Kellogg's brands that had been mixed, two X's, together. General Mills was able to secure Dom DeLuise to voice the Sprinkle Genie mascot for their star-shaped bits with colored crystals, Sprinkle Spangles, and his catchphrases were, you wish it, I dish it, and spangled every angle with sprinkles. And an even more forgettable General Mills mascot was H.T. the Robot and his hidden treasures, sweetened corn cereal squares with artificially flavored fruit centers that served as the hidden treasures. Because you didn't know if you were going to get grape, orange, cherry, or nothing flavor until you bit inside. But artificial flavors just weren't cutting it with consumers anymore. The last decade of the 1900s saw people seeking healthier breakfast solutions, and the serial killers were starting to figure out that health isn't just having a sports theme. General Mills tried to spin off its Wheaties brand with Dunkaballs, little whole wheat corn puff basketballs that encouraged kids to play with their food by shooting the puffs into the fold-out hoop on the back of the box. Dunkaballs was itself spun off into quarterback crunch, replacing the basketballs with footballs and came with a fold-out field goal. Kellogg's made Pop-Tarts less convenient with Pop-Tarts Crunch cereal that only came in brown sugar cinnamon and frosted strawberry flavor. 
They even attempted Eggo cereal. I mean... And by the 2000s, or aughts, not even Disney could entice kids with Buzz Lightyear's naturally sweetened multigrain cereal, a various colored flying saucer cereal-shaped Buzz Blasts, Honeybees, Mickey's Magic, Magic with an X, or Simba, Timon, and Pumbaa's Chocolate Mud and Bugs, kind of like Cocoa Puffs with marshmallows shaped like grubs, beetles, and bugs. Since the end of the 20th century, a lot of attempted new cereals have gone the way of Clackers, Clusters, Dudley Do-Right, Apple Zingaroos, Chocos, Jif, Gorilla Munch, Now Flakes, Orange Blossom, Cracker Jack Cereal, Hot Wheels, Apple DJ Crashers, and Malta Meal, which wasn't just a cereal, but a brand that itself produced the cereals, Honey Graham Squares, Cocoa Roos, Dino Bites, and Frosted Mini Spooners. Many of these boxes are collector's items, none of which I prize as much as an unopened box of Crustio's cereal from 2007 that was sold exclusively at 7-Elevens that were turned into Quickie Marts for The Simpsons movie premiere. Now, I could go on for hours talking nostalgia about cereal because it makes me feel like a kid again, analogous of those Kellogg's Frosted Mini Wheats commercials that had shredded grain for my adult side and sweet frosting for the kid side in me, proving once and for all that I am a complete schizophrenic sucker for fun little gadgets. Quote, Kids, explore the wonders of nature with your six powers Wheaties microscope. Magnifies objects to six times normal size. See things invisible to the naked eye on leaves, flowers, insects, and rocks. End quote. I would do that right now. And because I'm an adult, I can do whatever I want. Breakfast for dinner. Bye. to help us keep the curiosities coming please rate us on itunes soundcloud or your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to visit scatteredcuriosities.com for exclusive free downloads and to donate to the show